gonna have fun, okay? Now, I gotta warn you, if you're brand new to church, you're brand new to our church, that uh, when I say we're gonna have fun, I mean it. Now, now, you gotta be open to this. So let me give you the premise to what we've been doing as a church. We've been talking about how to make a difference. I believe our generation, our culture, our time, whatever you wanna call it, wants to actually have an impact in this world. And so if you want to have an impact, if you're old enough or seasoned enough or mature enough, you know that to have an impact means you gotta do some stuff. You can't, I know, just talk about it. I know we like, you're like, I have to like say something and do something. And I know we live in a culture where like just, we just wanna say stuff. And so we as a church believe that you must not just say stuff, but do stuff. So what I've tried to do every single location is offend as many people as possible. So, I believe we went to epic proportions during week two. So, I'm going to tell you right now, do not go online and watch week two of this series. Just don't do it. You will be highly offended. You will be like, I can't believe this. So just don't listen to it. Don't watch it. Don't share it. Pretend like it never happened. Okay. So, we're going to have fun. Uh, hello, fellas at RCMU and, and East and West. We're going to recap for a second. Some of you are like, what has been so offensive? Pastors are not offensive. Yes, we are. So, so here's the first week we got into this. We talked about less is more. And I got into people's business like, hey, some of the stuff that we're acquiring and some of the stuff that's going on, we, we need to kind of cut back, clear out, and got into the idea of living a life where it's not all about getting everything we possibly can. Then the highly offensive one was giving is good. And you're like, oh, I am so glad I missed that week. Now, now, I'm telling you, do not go watch it. Don't go watch it online, on our website, through our app. <laughs> We're going to have fun, okay? I promise you, I will make you have fun. So, so, so here's what we're going to do, because he, there's, a, there's a pattern to this. We talk about the stuff we are to God. Then we realize, all right, everything is God's, and so I'm going to give God a gift. So now we're left with this remaining stuff that's stressful. So this week, here's the title, Stress is Bad. And we got to talk about stress. Because here's what I know about money and making change and impacting the world is that it brings stress into our lives, especially if we talk finances. Uh, statistically, studies tell us all over the place that you and I, one of the top, if not the top stress in our life is financially related in some way. There's an issue that we haven't had. So we're going to talk about stress is bad. And I think most of us would agree so far. You're like, I don't want to stress. Uh, where do we sign up for the no stress life? So, so to, to battle stress, that's the kind of conversation we have, and it's going to take a mature listener. We believe that the Bible is God's word. The Bible is, is not outdated. The Bible is so good. And inside of the Bible, there are so many incredible truths on how to live life. And so I want to unpack those for us on how to lower the stress level in our lives so that we can fully have the influence in life. So, so that's what we're going to go at. But you need to understand that all of us are on the same page. In fact, 
the American Psychological Association, they did a study just to prove the point. Here's what happened. 90%, 90% of the people that they surveyed said in the past year, their understanding and financial situation and thoughts and processing about money was stressful. 90% said it's like, it's locked in. Yeah, that's killing us. Most marriages will say that money is an issue. See, one of you in your marriage is like, no, it's not. The other one's like, it's a big issue, and there is your problem. <laughs> so, you see, so we know that, in fact, one of the main reasons for divorce is typically rooted back to like some money issue. And 75% of the people in that survey said just in the past month, major stress came from some sort of financial thing. Now, I don't know if you've ever wondered, like, does everyone else struggle and stress about what I stress about when it comes to money? I think it is. So here's the top four. Here's the top four things that, that Americans, you and I, if you call yourself an American, uh, stress about. First one, unexpected expenses. I thought there might be an amen with that. I don't, in, in our family, that's like a, a monthly occurrence where you're like, where'd that come from? And why'd that break? And they want to sign up for what? And there's just stuff, right? And most of us, the top, the top stressor is that unexpected expense where the, the car says, I refuse to work. Or the washing machine, the refrigerator, or whatever you want to call it, like it, it just stops working. Or you get this random bill, or you go to the doctor, and there's all, all of a sudden it's unexpected. And it goes down, and you'll recognize groceries, how often that goes up and down, housing. And then the fourth one was just funding retirement, the idea that one day you're not going to work anymore, and you need to figure out what you're going to do about that. And some of us are like, I will think about that later. <laughs> and some of us stress about what that's going to be like. So I'm going to tell you, most of us stress about this. Some of you are like, I, have, I do not. Well, well, then you're in the 10%. Okay, good job. But most of us have an issue. In fact, there are multiple like, surveys and studies. And they go all over the place. But what I, can, I can be conservative about this. That over half of the United States of America, over half of us live paycheck to paycheck. One survey said that 60% of Americans are one paycheck from the road, from losing everything. So I know that in your house and in my house, that there are at least seasons where you're wondering how you're going to come up with the money that you need or how you're going to manage it well. And so you and I got to talk about it because this is a real life stress. And so there is a really smart guy named Ron Blue. He's written multiple books, over 20, about finances. He loves Jesus, but, but all of his life he's been teaching and instructing and all that about how to run your money. He used to work on Wall Street. Now he has his own business where he just helps people and writes books and teaches. Here's how to use your money. Here's how. And here's what he did. He found, after some study, where you and I are. <laughs> so I'm going to help you identify where you're at. You're like, I thought I was at church. Just wait, you'll follow this. So here's, there's multiple stages. I want you to find out where you're at. The first one is struggling. Let me show you. So, so this is the category of life where you can't pay your bills. You're like, mm, struggling is a good word for that. It's where you, you are looking at your expenses compared to your income, and you're like, there's a major problem here. Now, most of us are like, oh, yes, I remember that time. 
I, I remember that time. It's that time where things break and income is not awesome. A lot of us, it's when you're starting life out and you're trying to figure things out or if you lose your job and, or there's these issues that all of a sudden you can't work and you, you go to this place called struggling where you can't pay your bills. And that's not a fun place. But maybe you're not there. The next one, surviving. You're living paycheck to paycheck at this step of life. You're able to actually meet your bills, but nothing else. Whenever the pastor talks about saving, you're like, yeah, I wish. <laughs> Whenever people, or you even watch a commercial, they're like, hey, think about your retirement. Like, I can't. It's, it's paycheck to paycheck. It's zeroed out sometimes before the end of the month, but you're just getting by. You're surviving. You are just above water. Then they're stable. Stable is beyond the paycheck to paycheck. And in fact, it's, it's a part of life where you're at this step where, where you're able to pay your bills and you're even able to save a little bit for the unexpected expenses. You're actually looking forward a little bit, a little bit, and, and you know, you're making it. You're not freaking out except if something big breaks. Then there's the secure stage. The secure stage is where you are actually saving up money, putting money away for retirement. Things are looking pretty good. Most people in, in secure are, are, are not calling out to everyone, hey, by the way, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. But from the world standards, you're loaded, it's okay, and you have food on the table, and you don't worry about where the food's coming. You are secure, you have a plan. And then there's surplus. <laughs> Some of us are like, why do you even talk about that? Like, what? <laughs> Surplus is the phase where there are some folks at, where you have plenty of money. And in fact, when I talk about stress and money, your stress is not having enough. It's how to keep the government off your back. It, it's how do you give and who do you give to and and, and how do you manage all of your toys? <laughs> That's surplus. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stare at this. It's your job right now to stare at this. You see this. What I want you to do is to identify. Don't say it out loud, by the way. That just would get weird. I just want you to look at this. And, and I want you to, in your own head, you can nudge your spouse, I guess, if you want. But I want you to figure out where you're at. Maybe you already have. Maybe you've locked up, I just tried to give you brief descriptions, but, but maybe you have locked it into where you're at. Because where you're at reveals something. There's always a next step. Now, now, for those who don't think there's always a next step, you will not relate to this sermon. But I would tell you something about life is God is never done with you. And I would tell you something about life is that, you know, the Bible doesn't teach that, hey, here's the age to retire and then just coast and do nothing. Don't help anybody out. Here's what I would tell you. As long as you're able to breathe, there are people who are in need and need help and you can influence. And so you and I, until we stop breathing, need to figure out how to make this world better. So there's always a next step. And I want you to look at and find out your next step, not just where you're at, but what's your next step. And then I want to tell you something that Ron Blue said that has messed with me. Here's the quote. Ron Blue, who put together those phases. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Now, I know some of you, you are argumentative. 
You're like, no, when I get a piece of bubble gum, David, there's nothing spiritual about that. Okay? When you're fueling up your vehicle, nothing spiritual. I would disagree with you. And let me show you why I would disagree with you. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it. And everything in it. And everything in it. In the world. Or in, in the world. And all who live in it. See, I would tell you that every decision is a spiritual decision. Because everything in this world is owned by God. And especially if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you can tune me out right now. But I would tell you, if you follow Jesus, that even the simplest of purchases can be tracked back to the fact that you're spending God's money. And I know, listen, listen, I know this is offensive to some. You're like, you are like really doing a good job with that. But I'm going to tell you, every spending decision is a spiritual decision. And if you're willing to have that kind of a conversation, you and I can deal with the financial stress that might be in your life. See, this is revolutionary for some of us when you recognize that God owns everything. It's his. It's locked in. Then we can have a good conversation. And Ron Blue and multiple books, in fact, not just Ron Blue, there's multiple people in the world that teach on finances. And they've all concluded almost unanimously on the first three steps to take. If you think about where you were and you got that in your head, and you're like, I want to take another step. I want to do better. Well, then for all of us, no matter if, if you're on surplus, struggling surplus, same decision, there's the first three steps to take. Let me show you what they are. And, and this, is, this is big. Spend less than you earn. You're like, I already hate the sermon. Hate it. <laughs> Avoid the use of debt. And build margin. Now, some of you, though, are already processing. You're like, well, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, I'm going to teach you that this actually comes from the Bible. God knew that you and I would get stressed out about money and expenses and things that broke. He's like, I got I to help everybody know it. So in the Bible, it oozes all of this great wisdom on how to remove financial stress from your life. So let me start with the beginning. <laughs> Spend less than you earn. I personally hate this. Because there are those momentary, like just glimpses in life where you're like, but that looks amazing and I want it. And you don't kind of go to the budget. Maybe you don't even budget. If you don't know this, one third of America budgets, which tells you two thirds is like, what are we going to do? Most people don't budget. How crazy is that? Spend less than you earn is a principle that God gave us. And if you like, if you want to have this, I want to impact the world. I want to be a good parent, a good spouse, a good employee. I want to be a good American. I don't know how you, if you want to be a good Christian, then you got to figure out how do I spend less than I earn? And the Bible speaks this. Like I told you, and I'm going to go through Proverbs. If you've never dug into the book of Proverbs, oh my, it's amazing. Here we go. Whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. But whoever heeds correction is honored. I mean, you, you catch the discipline word. <laughs> whoever disregards discipline. And so that's where you and I look at okay, our income. What does God say when we need to exert some sort of discipline? Then if, if you're a rancher, you're going to love this next one, Proverbs 27. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. So we're like, I don't, I don't have 
flocks. I, I don't have that. Yeah, you do. Uh, give careful attention to your herds. If, if this doesn't really be like, be sure you know the condition of your money. Give careful attention to every dollar you got. If you're a rancher or grew up around there, you understand that you know what you got. Because what you got eventually ends up to a place where it determines if you pay your bills or not. And so many of us have already like, okay, spend less than I earn. If you only knew, David, if you only knew. Well, listen, listen. You want to reduce the stress, then let me help you. Because the Bible teaches this, like I said. So, so how, do you, how in the world do you get to the place that you spend less than you earn? Here it is, here it is. Practice the power of no. Yes. You're like, people do that? Like people say no to the dealership. Mm -hmm. They say no to the commercial. Mm -hmm. But I got to admit to you, I struggle with this. And this is the part where I'm going to tell you something that is very embarrassing. So, So here's how this works. Because no is powerful if you learn to say it. Katie and I, Katie's my wife, we were in the mall one time. I hate the mall. The mall is a place that you didn't want anything until you go to the mall. Then the mall just says, you want this? And you're like, yeah, I do. I do want that. I need that. Right? That's what the mall is. So we're at the mall. And we're walking through the mall. Then all of a sudden, I mean, Katie's shopping. Then all of a sudden, I see what I want. It's in the middle. It's a brand new truck. I'm like, see you later, Katie. And I walk over to the truck. I'm contemplating, if I got into this, could I get it out of the mall fast? How's this work? And so, so I'm looking at the truck, and then there's this stand there. Maybe you've seen this. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. There's a stand. Like, if I just fill out this card, put it into this box, I could win that thing. I'm like, this sounds amazing. This must be God. So I fill out the card, put it into the box, going, I might win this truck. I might. And then eventually, realism comes in. I'm not winning the stinking truck. But then they called Mm-hmm. They call and they're like, you are a finalist. I'm like, I like being a finalist. This sounds amazing. Who doesn't want to be a finalist? They didn't mention that. I think everyone was a finalist, but I'm like, I want to be a finalist. I'm a, Katie, we're finalists. They're like, all you got to do is come to this place in the Black Hills and, and you get to turn this key and if your key turns, it's awesome. I'm like, we have got to do this now. On the way there, I was not stupid. For those of you who are like, is he really in charge of this church? <laughs> My parents told me stories. You know when they're like, hey, this hotel room, it's free for you. All you got to do is just sit with this person for a little bit. They'll talk to you. It's all, don't worry. No pressure. Yeah, whatever. So we're on the way to this place, and I tell Katie, Katie, they're going to try to sell us something. And my wife is the nicest person that I've ever personally met. And so she does not like to hurt people's, like, like she wants to be nice. And if someone's like, would you like this? She's typically like, yes, let's figure out how to do this. So I'm, I'm coaching her. I'm like, this is not a time to be nice. This, there's no nice time. They're going to try to sell us something. We're there for the truck, the free truck. We earn that free truck. This is what we're going to do. You're going to say no to everything they ask of you. Anything. Just it's no. Practice no. Honey, say no, no. Okay. We've got no down. We are buying nothing. This is all worthless. Whatever they offer us, we are locked in. And we went in like ninjas. We are like, no. 
So we go in, we're all ready, like, yeah, give us your spiel. I just want to turn my key. I'm going to win this truck. So it was like I knew it would be. There's this presentation. Eventually, you end up at this table with this other person. So Katie and I are sitting there, and they begin to tell us that if we were to buy this, this vacation property stuff where we could go and all of these amazing places and we could vacate. David and Kitty, do you have kids? Yes, we do have kids. Your kids would love these places. I think you're right. And I began to get to the edge of my seat going, this, this is amazing. Meanwhile, she's, Katie's, she's like, no, what a lockdown. No, we are no ninjas. No. And no joke, I'll, I remember when, when the person basically ends the pitch. I'm like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, what do you think, sweetie? And she gives me the look. I don't know if you're, if you're not married, you may not know the look, but it's the look you're going, oh, no. I've, I've gone too far on this. And then I, I, I remember the look that speaks paragraphs that no one else under. I got it. I got it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> no. <laughs> and then I'm sorry if this offends those of you who are on the other side of the table, but then it's like everything ended. The conversation ended. We were no, now they're enemies, and, and they're like, yeah, go over there, turn the key. And I knew it wouldn't work. I was like, man, it oh, wasn't even an option, man. And we left and but we said no, and i got to tell you, there's moments that I'm, well, I'll tell you later that I didn't say no, but what I've learned is we wouldn't have used those things, <laughs> and I've had other stories of people who, who didn't use them. You, you probably have your own, right? The power of no. When you've said no, you're like, yeah, we said no, and we were right. Most people who say no because they're trying to manage their money in the way they know they're supposed to, they don't regret that decision. They don't look back and be like, yeah, we should have said yes. I wish we could find another place that would give us such a deal. Oh, come on. We always were like, no, we're glad we said no. But the people who say yes are often spending more than they earn. And I learned that lesson. It was awesome. I give Katie the credit. But let me show you another. Proverbs 25. Again, we're staying in Proverbs. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control and one of the lessons I've learned but the Bible teaches it has been teaching it for thousands of years if you want to have influence and impact in this world if you want to live the most significant life that God intended for you or as the Bible calls it the full life if you want to live it then you gotta spend less than you earn and with that then you learn the power of telling people no so I know some of you are like oh, and you got your own stories and you're stressed out. So let's move on. Let's go to the next one. Avoid the use of debt. See, some of you are like, you do not understand life, David, because that's how life works. <laughs> Most of us leverage debt. We're taught to, in fact, many of you grew up like, no, everyone in America has, has a car loan, a student loan, a house loan, and that's just how this works. And you, you manage the payment. The problem is the Bible speaks to this. Proverbs 22, 7, and many of you probably have heard this, the the rich rule over the poor. You're like, I know. You watch CNN. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. 
Consumer debt is dangerous. But do we not rationalize ourselves in the situation where you don't have the cash on hand and you're all of a sudden saying, but this is a responsible decision. And I will now tell you another story that I am very ashamed of and you will make fun of me for this. So just prepare yourself. There was a time, I was much younger, just to give some credit there, I wanna create some distance. But there was a time when I was younger, I, my car fell apart and every time I would pull up to a stoplight, the whole thing died, no joke. It just, every time I stopped, it died. It was really fun going through town. Finally, I was like, I am sick and tired of this. I don't know if you've ever had car problems. For me, that stresses me out. Like, I have something built in my brain that says, you should never have to have car problems, David. And so I'm sitting there going, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a car. I don't have any money to do that, but I'm going to go buy a car. And I knew what I wanted. I wanted a Volkswagen Passat. I had ridden in one one time. A buddy of mine, his family had one. We rode it. It's like, it's amazing. This is what I should have someday. So I was like, I'm going to go get a Volkswagen Passat. So I didn't even shop around. Dude. I just went straight to the Volkswagen place. I was like, okay, you've got those. I want that one. Let's do it. And, and they said, well, here's how much it is. It's like, will you loan me that money? You will? Sweet, let's do this. And so I bought 100% on loan the vehicle. I felt pretty good at the time. Except <clears throat> two years later, Katie tells me, hey, I'm parked on the side of the road. I'm like, why are you doing that? You're supposed to come pick me up. She says, the car won't run anymore. I was like, oh, man. And what I learned is the timing belt had broken. And in that Volkswagen Passat, if that happened, your engine was ripped to shreds. And I now had yard art, if you live in the South, this thing that now I remember standing at the, at the place that would fix it. We had it towed there. And they're like, hey, so here's what you need. It's, uh, it's a new engine. Um, and I'm going, wait a minute, I, I got a problem here. I owed $7,000 at the time on that vehicle that would not run. And if you've never had to replace an engine, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's not cheap in any way. And the guy looks at me, he's like, hey, I just want to give you some advice. I'm like, what's that? He goes, you shouldn't put a new engine in this. It's like, okay. So then we went car shopping again. <laughs> now, I remember being at this Nissan dealership in another town. We were in Kansas. And we, we are now, like, depressed. I don't know if you've ever been car depressed, where your car's not running like you wanted to, and, and you're starting to feel like you are from a third-world country, and now everything's breaking down in life. God is out to get you, and it's bad. And that's the, I'm just embarrassingly telling you, we were stressed out. We were like, oh, no, you know what? You what stress we need to just get out of our life is we need to get automobile stress out of our life. And so... As I'm looking out the window as the car salesman's talking, and I see a Honda dealership with used Hondas that we could afford. And the guy noticed what I was doing. He's like, you don't, you don't need that. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, let me show you what you need. I'm like, okay. And he brought us to a fleet of brand new, brand new Nissans. He's like, you can have any one of these. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I can, can I? All right. And by the time I had left that dealership, 
I was the new proud renter, or some call it leasing. I was the new proud renter of a Nissan, brand new Nissan, with a $7,000 car loan rolled into that lease. And at the end of the lease, I got another loan to pay the ultimate. We owned it. Yeah. Someone should have said, you can buy a Nissan Altima or a Jaguar, whichever one you want. And I went with the Altima. <laughs> That's my stupidity, okay? I'm just being very vulnerable with you right now. That's my life that I learned a long time ago. How deep of a hole you can go. And some of us have those, you don't have like, as stupid of a story. You're much better and smarter. But you get this and you're like, oh my. Debt can take you to a place you did not intend to go fast. And, and debt is not friendly. Debt doesn't care who you are. Doesn't care your reason. But I can't pay. Doesn't matter. Debt is not friendly. Debt is dangerous. And that's why the Bible teaches us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower. <laughs> the lender now owns you. And I would tell you, not just out of opinion, but the Bible teaches if you want to remove stress, avoid the use of debt. And you know what that means for some of us? You're going to have to buy the used car that's ugly. But it'll get you from point A to point B. I know it's not as pretty and fun, and, but you know it's typically four wheels. And the nice car and the old car both have four wheels typically. Or in South Dakota, maybe two if you really enjoy life. And don't buy into the trap that a vehicle is your freedom from stress. No, it's not. Those of us who want to influence the world, who want to actually live life like we're supposed to, we're trying to get debt free. Because there's freedom in that. You remember that, that free freedom? Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Told you it'd be offensive. Build margin. You're like, now I don't even relate to you, David. I don't even get it. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the first three steps. You remember those steps? Whatever you decided you're at, spend less than you earn, avoid the use of debt, and at all costs, build some sort of margin, save something, even if it's five bucks a month. The Bible talks about this. I'm being repetitive, but I, the wise store up choice food and olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil, probably. But, uh, but fools gulp theirs down. This hurts my feelings. It might hurt your feelings too, and this is good. Is that if you gulp all of your money down, the Bible is telling you and calling you something. And it should be offensive because following Jesus is offensive and difficult and requires a different lifestyle. Oftentimes we're like, I want God and I want whatever I want. And oftentimes we realize this is not working out. And God said, I know that life's going to be tough. Let me give you basics on what to live by. And it means that you and I have to refuse some things, delay some things. That's why I tell you, I hope that you're getting the gist of this. I've made mistakes. <laughs> I've got more I'm going to tell you about. I've made mistakes. No one masterfully does this well. But that does not mean that you push it to the side and say, that's not me. No, if you follow Jesus, you try to press into this and say, I'm going to shoot for that. 
So let me take you back to the Ron Blue quote. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Now, this brings you and I to what I would call a critical decision time. And I've left room for this because some of us need to talk to God. But there's going to be two different conversations going on. So here's the first one. God, I give you authority over my finances. Because you're like, what's the first step on this? What do I do? Because some of us are like, my, I don't, my job doesn't provide enough and I don't know how to do this, David. I would tell you then your first step, your next step is to have a conversation with God where you cry out to him and you're saying, God, I, I give you authority over my finances. If you don't know what that means, that means you take the Bible and what the Bible teaches, you're going to apply. You're going to spend less than you earn because the Bible says so. God teaches that. You're going to try to figure out how not to use debt because God instructed us, try not to use debt. Don't use debt. It's not good for you. And then you're going to figure out, I'm going to try to save some money, a dollar a week, five dollars a week, maybe more. And you're going to try to save it because God says this is a good thing to do in life so that you can live the full life. This is what some of us need to do. I don't know where you're at on this. God, I give you the authority over my finances. Many of us have never done this. We're like, I'm going to heaven. I got the heaven thing and the hell thing, and I got the forgiveness and grace and mercy. But oftentimes we don't track this out, the steps that we take in life. Have you given God your finances and said, I give you authority? Most of us would say, that's a big decision. However, I understand that I may have just leaped over some of us. We're like, give God authority over my finances. Whoa. Maybe it's a different prayer. And here it is. God, I give you authority over my life. See, this is the first step. This is the step that not just we as a church, but we as Christians, followers of Jesus, we've given him authority. Our decision-making, how we view the world, is through the lens of God. So we've given him authority. So let me show you something outside of Proverbs. This is in James. James gives us a verse that maybe maybe helps us understand how to walk this out. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Maybe now I'm speaking some of our language. You're like, I I would like the devil to flee from me. Many of us have days or weeks where maybe, maybe you, you just know that it feels like the devil's just out after you. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So here's what I want to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Where, wherever you're at, just bow your head and close your eyes. And I would like for you to consider, if you're open to it, praying one of those prayers to God. God, I give you authority over my finances, or maybe it's deeper than that. God, I give you authority over my life. I'll stop talking, and I'll let you just privately have a conversation with God about whatever he's pressing on your own heart.
God, we come to you in this moment. And God, I want to thank you for truth. Your Bible, your word, so good. Thank you for that. Thanks for not just leaving us to figure it out all entirely on our own. I want to thank you for the Bible. And God, I pray for those who have surrendered something to you, finances, their life. God, as you've promised, walk with them and encourage them, give them strength and bravery. God, we love you and and we do. We dedicate our lives to you in a way that we just ask that you use this however you want for your glory, for your happiness. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.